All right, everybody. It's good to see you this evening. I hope you've had a, a good day. Hope you've had a good week so far. Realize many of you have been at work all day and you've got a lot going on, but I certainly appreciate you being here tonight, making time to still be here, to consider spiritual things, and especially appreciate our young people who are taking the Lord very seriously at a young age. So glad to have such wonderful young people as part of this congregation. So good to see all of you. We're going to be in lesson five in your workbook. You might want to go ahead and just go to lesson five. Lesson number five is where we're going to be. I want to remind you, and I'm pretty sure the elders will later, of the Zoom study tomorrow. If you've not yet signed up for that, make sure you do that. We're going to start that at 7 o'clock. It's going to be our first go at it. So there might be some mistakes on my behalf, trying to get used to the technology and stuff, so bear with me on that. But we're going to try uh, to do that tomorrow at 7 o'clock. So have your chapter read a couple of times, 1 Thessalonians 3. We'll also say a few things about the first two chapters so we can just make sure we get a proper context for our discussion. There will be a time of Bible study, Bible discussion, and prayer. Tomorrow, for those of you who are part of this church, they want to be part of that Zoom study to help you in your spiritual growth this year. Now, before we begin lesson five tonight, I want to quickly make sure we're all on the same page about where we are at this point in these particular studies. If you remember, over the past few classes, we've been considering lessons about false standards of authority. Remember, we had some classes about false standards of authority. And then we began a few classes about inspiration, the inspiration of the Bible. Now, the inspiration of the scriptures or the Bible were particularly important lessons. They were especially important lessons because we won't take learning how to properly apply the Bible and how to properly apply Bible authority correctly. We won't take that seriously if we're not first sold 100% that the Bible comes from God. We have to lay that foundation. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of how to establish Bible authority and talk about aids and additions and, and all that kind of stuff, we have to lay that foundation. We have to emphasize, especially for our young people, that there's a reason why we're going to talk about how to establish Bible authority. And the reason why is because the Bible is God's word. So if we're not sold on those lessons 100%, then nothing else we talk about the rest of the quarter is going to make any sense, and it's not going to have any real importance. You have to start there. You have to have lessons about the inspiration of the scriptures. And so today we want to have one more lesson that's going to lay a foundation for us. It's going to lay a foundation before we start getting into the why and the how to properly apply Bible authority. Now this lesson tonight is called, as you see on lesson five, how does God communicate with us today? How does God communicate with us today? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Before we do that, let's bow our heads and let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much, Father, for blessing us to be here tonight as your people. Let's open up our Bibles to study, to learn how you talk to us, how you have blessed us with communication with you. And we want to study that properly tonight and have proper respect for that. We're so thankful, Father, for this good church. And we pray that you'll bless our work. 
And we're thanking, Father, about our young folks who are in their classes tonight, all the Bible class teachers, and the men who lead us as shepherds in this place. We pray that your hand of blessing be on us all as we study tonight and learn how you talk to us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we want to start tonight is a passage that should be very familiar to those who are in the Hebrew class, and that's Hebrews chapter 1. Y'all remember that in the Hebrews class? You went through that probably quite a bit. Great, great passages. What a powerful way for the Hebrew writer to begin uh, this particular book of the New Testament. And so he says in Hebrews 1, beginning with verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago in the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. So as we begin tonight, we want to highlight the language of God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions, and in many ways. So what we want to talk about right now is what exactly does that mean? How did God do that? How did God, in times past, long ago, speak to people in many portions and in many ways? Because that, that verse is telling us that in times past, before the last days began, God spoke to people in a variety of different ways. And, and, and let's just start with that first part. God first spoke to people. I mean, that's amazing right there. I mean, does God have to speak to people? Does he have to talk to us? Could God have just made the world and said, okay, you figure it out from there? Could he have done it if he wanted to? He absolutely could have. But God decided to speak to men. He decided to communicate with men, and the scripture says in past times he did that in many different ways. So what we want to do now, and I'm going to start with our young people, because this is not in your book here. So this is kind of a bonus thing we're looking at right now. So for our young folks, think about this. And if you can't right now, that's okay. But think about I'm going to start with you, give you first grabs at it. What are some ways in which God spoke in many different ways. God speaking, and I'm going to give you time to think about it, in many different ways. Do any of our young folks have a one way that God spoke to people in the past? Yes, faith. What do you have? Faith says dreams. Is faith right about that? Did God speak to people through dreams in the past? She's absolutely right about that. She's absolutely right about that. And I wrote that down on my paper, Faith. A couple of examples that I thought of with dreams was first King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember that? God spoke to King Nebuchadnezzar through dreams a couple of different times that we can read about in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, Daniel 4. I think about Joseph. Did not God speak to Joseph through dreams? And then Solomon, remember when before Solomon asked God for wisdom, the Bible says that God was speaking to him through a dream. And then what about Jacob, the patriarch Jacob? Uh, God came to him when we, before he saw that vision of the ladder with the angels ascending and descending. He was in a dream. So the Bible is clear that God has spoken to people in dreams. Does anybody else have another way in which God has spoken to people? Young folks, can you think of another way? 
or maybe anyone else at this time. Like if y'all first grabs at it, but besides dreams, what are some other ways that God spoke to people in times past? Yes. Visions. Visions. I love it. I wrote down on that one. I wrote that on my paper also. And the one I thought of on that particular one was Ezekiel. The first verse of the book of Ezekiel says that God came to him in a vision. In a vision. That's a wonderful answer. Wonderful answer. Anyone else? Uh, Kevin, you had your hand up, sir. Did you have one? Are you just going to say visions also? Well, get on her after she stole it from you. Okay, now go, Brother Nelson, yes, sir. <laughs> Man, I didn't think anybody was going to get that one. That's a good one. Animals. Animals. There was a time when God spoke to people through animals. And who did God speak to through a donkey? Balaam. That's exactly right. He was on his way to curse Israel, and the donkey that he was on started speaking to him. God had the donkey tell him, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't you do that. And the donkey was trying to save his life, actually, because the angel was trying to kill him in that moment. What's another way God has spoken to people in times past? Someone else. Yes, Don. What's that, sir? Okay, what is the world are you talking about there, please? <laughs> So you're, I'll just write down here to, to, to simplify for the young folks, if you don't mind. Uh, casting lots here. Yes. Casting lots. And that is one that is often overlooked. That's a good one. Um, that, that is something that people often did in Bible times to figure out what God's will was. In fact, we find the apostles even beyond what you were saying about the priests. The apostles do that in Acts 1 so that God can decide who's going to be the next apostle to replace Judas. That's an excellent one. That's very good. Yes, yes, Lisa. What's that, ma'am? Angels. Angels, absolutely. Absolutely. Angels. I wrote that down, too. And a few examples on that one is Mary, the mother of Jesus. An angel came to her to announce that. Joseph. Joseph, an angel came to Joseph. Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist. That's how the book of Luke opens. And... The angel of the Lord is specifically said to have spoken to Moses through the burning bush. It was through an angel of the Lord, a special representative of God. Yes, John. He spoke directly. Directly. That's a good one. Directly. There are, and there's not, it doesn't happen too often, but it is in our Bibles. So we can go with Adam and Eve. We could go with the Mount of Transfiguration, where... God speaks from heaven and tells Peter to be quiet, listen to Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, God spoke from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When the children were at Mount Sinai, they heard the voice of God and they responded how? By being what? They were terrified. Does anybody else have another one? Young folks, make sure you get your hands up high. I don't want to miss you. Yes, Sean Michael. Well, not through the mountain. He spoke to him at the mountain. So it wasn't through the mountain, but God spoke to him at the, mount, at the mountain. And that kind of goes with, with John a little bit uh, and with Lisa, where you have God speaking directly and through angels. So, yes, Brian. If, you're gonna, if you count the burning bush as, as 
God speaking through angels. Um, Job, he speaks through the whirlwind. Oh, that's a good one. Directly. Yes. I messed that up there. I'm sorry. Whirlwind. I didn't even think of that one. Through the whirlwind. Absolutely. Man, that's a really good one. So you have, man, see, and I was thinking about this a lot today, and there I was trying to, to come up with so many different things, and something like that even crossed my mind. But with Job, that is a very unique one. We have God speaking to him through the whirlwind and challenging Job and getting him to think about who are you to try to question me. That's very good. Yes, Brother Greg. Oh, yes, Abby. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Greg. I was going to say it's a prophet. How could we miss that one, Abby? How could we miss that one? That's a good one because that's probably the main one. That's probably the main one. God speaking through Isaiah, through Malachi, through Micah, Hosea, Elijah. When, when David got, had his sin exposed, who, how did God get that message to him about what he did, that God knew about what he had done with Bathsheba and Uriah? How did, how did God get that message across to him that you're going to be punished for that? Amen. Prophet. Sent him a prophet. Now, could God have told him directly? Could God have told him in a dream? Yeah, but God sent a prophet instead. And so that's probably the main one. Jonah sent to the Ninevites. Uh, Moses being a prophet, and he's saying there's going to become a prophet who's greater than me down the line. Deuteronomy 18. Uh, anyone else got one? Yes, Lisa. Pillar of smoke. And I think you and Shawn Michael are thinking still about Mount Sinai. Uh, is that what you were thinking about there? Or was there something else? I'm sorry. What psalm is that? You're in Psalm what? I'm trying to remember what what is there's something David is talking about there specifically. There's a specific incident he's talking about there in Psalm 99. Uh, let's see there. Let me go back there. It's been a you got me on the spot here, Lisa. Let's see here. Psalm 99. Which one was that? What verse? Verse seven. Yes. OK. He spoke to them. I think there he's talking about the children of Israel contextually. Um, and I can't remember where exactly that was, but I do know that the, the, the smoke was something that took place on the mountain at Mount Sinai. So, but it's, it's a great answer, though. It's still a great answer because it's still God communicating. It's still God communicating. So that's good. One more, then I got to get moving here. Bro, uh, Brother Greg, and then I'll get you, Mitch. My hand writing on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hand on the wall. And that is where, Greg? Yes. Many, many Tiki U Farsis, which is your time is up. T telling that to uh, Belshazzar, uh, and the Babylonian Empire was going to fall that night to the, to, the, to the Persians. So God communicating through a hand, writing on the wall. Uh, Mitch, you had one, then we'll move on here. Yes, Judges 11, number 11 here. Judges, the whole book of Judges. And that's amazing because this is the time when God's people are rebelling against God. They're not handling the Canaanites as they should. And God sends them judges, people like Deborah, Gideon, and others to not only deliver the people, but to communicate to the people to trust in God and to, and to turn away from sin. Now, that's good. So let's stop right there. Those are some good answers. So many of the things I wrote down, you all said them. You all got my answers and some additional ones, which are really good. But I put down prophets, dreams, angels, God speaking directly, animals, visions. Another one I want us to think about was miracles, which 
still with you, Lisa, which is another great, I mean, still the same idea. But I, I, put, I put down miracles because miracles were another way where God communicated to people. And there were a couple examples I wrote down in addition to what Lisa said, which was a good one. Elijah. What did Elijah say on the mountain? He said, you're going to see who the true prophets are, who the true prophet is, who the real God is. If what happens? This fire is going to come from heaven and consume the sacrifice. Is that a miracle? Well, that's just good weather or bad weather. That's a miracle. By the miracle, God didn't just speak from heaven on that occasion. He didn't speak from heaven. He sent fire from heaven to show that Elijah is the true prophet and he serves the one true God. Another example is number 16. Moses said to the rebels, okay, if we're not the right choice to be God's leaders, me and Aaron, okay, well, God's not going to do anything right now. But if we are the true spokesman of God, God's going to open up the ground. He's going to swallow up all these rebels. And what happened? Ground opened up. That was a miracle. And the children of Israel became afraid. And they knew that they were, Moses and Aaron, were the true prophets or the true uh, leaders of God's people. Okay, so that was good. Now, let me get down to the lesson a little bit. So what I just want to show there is God in times past not only decided to communicate with people, he did it a bunch of different ways bunch of different ways and he could do that because he's God so but the scripture says that in the last days in the last days there's a reference to the days of the new covenant the gospel age the dispensation that we live under now the new testament God speaks not in many different ways but through one person through one person and that's Jesus Christ that's his son so we want to talk about what that means. And I'm going to go through some things. This is pretty much your lesson tonight. Bear with me. And then we got to do a little chart here at the end. OK, that was good participation. Everybody gave. So let's start here. How does God communicate with us today? Well, first, we need to understand that God has the right to speak. We got to start there. God has a right to talk. OK, God has a right to talk because he is God. He is sovereign. Psalm 135 verse 6. Psalm 135 verse 6 says that God is able to do whatever he wants, however he wants. And so if God wants to speak through angels, visions, animals, through a pillar of smoke, whatever, a pillar of cloud directly from heaven, he can do whatever he wants because he is God. And then in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that the one who hears him and does what he says is comparable to a man who built his house on the rock. And when the storms come that house is not going to fall because it's laid on a solid foundation. And the scripture says there that when Jesus spoke in his day, he spoke as one having authority. He didn't speak like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, he didn't say, well, Rabbi so-and-so said this. So you need to listen to this because the rabbi said it. A famous rabbi said it. No, Jesus said you listen to it because I say it. Because I'm God. I, I am the I am. So Jesus speaks. And our responsibility, according to Jesus in those verses, is to hear and obey. Hear and act. That's our responsibility. God speaks through Jesus. He speaks through Jesus. Why through Jesus? Well, remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter says, let's build three tabernacles. We got a Moses. We got Elijah up here. Let's build them tab a tabernacle each. And let's build Jesus one. And God the Father spoke from heaven and said, no, you listen to my son. This is the chief spokesman, not Moses, not Elijah, Jesus. 
And then the Hebrew writer in the verse we read says that in the last days, God is speaking through one source. And that's Jesus. Jesus. Why Jesus? Well, Matthew 28, 18 says he's got all authority. All means all. That's none left for any of the rest of us. He's got all authority in heaven and on earth. He is what's all, it's what it's all about. He's the king. He's the head of the church. We are part of the church of Christ. When we say that, we mean we're part of the church that belongs to Christ. And the church belongs to Christ because he's the king, the head. He purchased it. This is not my church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. It's his body. And that's why God speaks through Jesus. And John 12, 48 says that on the last day, we're going to be judged by his words. Not by the preacher's words, the Bible class teacher's words, politician's words. No, we're going to be judged by the words of Jesus. All of this tells us that God is speaking through Jesus. And it also tells us that any claims today that God is speaking through another source outside of Jesus, young people remember this. That's, that's false stuff. Those are false claims. So that eliminates Muhammad, right? Muhammad, who's the leader of the Muslim faith, said to be the chief spokesman of God. No, that eliminates him. God speaks through Jesus. It eliminates Joseph Smith, the leader of the Mormon church. It eliminates the pope. It eliminates Ellen G. White, the person who started the Seventh-day Adventist church. It eliminates Benny Hinn or any other man or woman today who claims to be speaking for God. God speaks through Jesus and only through Jesus. So how does God do that? Well, Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to be sent and he was going to guide the apostles and the prophets. John 16, we went through this verse a lot already. Jesus said to the apostles, I'm going to send in the spirit of truth. And he's going to reveal all the truth. They were going to get all of the will of God, everything God wants us to know. I want to show you some other passages. So I want to ask you to go in your Bible. So we're going to do some Bible reading right now. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, please. Go to Ephesians 3. We talked last time about how the apostles were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this included a couple of different things. It included them being inspired in their preaching, right? So when they preached, Jesus told them, and you can write this down in your notes because this is not in there, but write down Matthew 10, 19 and 20. Matthew 10, 19 and 20. You know what Jesus says there? He told the apostles, you're going to one day stand before kings and rulers. And don't worry about what to say in those moments because somebody's going to tell you exactly what to say. Who was that? Holy Spirit. And so we see that in Acts 2 on Pentecost. Peter is given the words of what to preach. We see that in Acts 4 and Acts chapter 5 when he stands before the Sanhedrin council. We see that with Paul when he stands before Agrippa and when he stands before Felix and Festus. The Holy Spirit tells them exactly what to say when they stand before these kinds of people. And the Holy Spirit told them what to write when they started writing the words of Scripture. Okay? So let's look at some other verses here. Ephesians 3. Put this on the slide here. Ephesians 3. Look at verse 1, please. Ephesians 3, 1. Paul says, For this reason, I, Paul, 
the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to you for me, that by, here's the key word, revelation. There was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul says here that the Holy Spirit revealed the mystery of Christ to he and the other apostles and prophets. What is the mystery of Christ? Well, in this context, the mystery of Christ is the fact that Gentiles, people like us, we're going to be able to be part of God's family. That's the mystery. That's a great mystery. The Jews, they couldn't grasp that. And, and, and those who claim to be Jews still can't grasp it today for the most part. But Paul says that was revealed to us, that Gentiles were going to be part of God's family. So that came from the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 now, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians 2.10. Paul says, for to us, God revealed, there it is again, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God, for who among men knows the thoughts of a man, except the Spirit of the man which is in him, even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, we, meaning me and the other apostles, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. What's Paul saying there? The Spirit of God told us what to write. The Holy Spirit told us what to preach, told us what to write. We have received the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Okay, yes. Yes, sir. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, Mitch. Forgive me. Yes, sir. Holy Spirit is God. So we have God the Father who has a will for us, a standard for us. And Jesus comes into the world as God the Son to die on the cross and execute God's plan to save us from our sins. But God the Holy Spirit revealed it. The Father has the plan. Jesus executes the plan. The Holy Spirit reveals the plan. And they all are God. They all are deity. And the sin against one is a sin against all. That's absolutely right. And let me just say this, too, to go with this point. This 1 Corinthians 2, how Paul says God revealed to us the things of the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit revealed to us the things of God. That includes even the red letter stuff. You ever met some folks who say, well, I only take the red letters. You ever met folks like that? I've met folks like that. Members of the church. If, if, if it's only it's only going to be read for me, if it's not read, I don't I don't take it serious. I don't care what Paul says. I don't care what what Peter says. I only want red letters. Well, here's the problem with that. When the Bible was originally written, there were, it wasn't no red letters. 
Guess who wrote the red letters? The apostles did. So when you reject the apostles in any part of their teachings, you reject the whole thing, including the stuff that may be in your red letter Bibles. So it's the whole thing comes from the Holy Spirit to the apostles. And we need to point out they wrote it down. They wrote it down and they were preaching it in the first century. They were going around preaching this stuff. But thankfully, they wrote it down also so we can know it because we're 2000 years removed from it. So we're not going to know God's will. They don't write it down. And they wrote it down. They wrote down everything we have in our New Testament. And, and Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, 37, the things I write are the commandments of the Lord. In Ephesians, remember what Paul said there? We just read it. Paul says that when you read, you can understand. Read what? What he wrote down. You can understand it. Look at Ephesians 4 and verse number 20. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 20, Paul told the Ephesians, but you did not learn Christ in this way. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and been taught in him just as truth in Jesus. Do you ever remember a time in the Gospels where Jesus went to Ephesus? Did he ever go? Did I miss that? Did he ever go to Ephesus? But Paul says they were taught of Jesus. He said they heard, of Je they heard from Jesus. They were taught by Jesus. How is that possible if Jesus never went to Ephesus physically? How were they taught of Jesus if he never went to Ephesus? Because when the apostles taught them, it was equal to Jesus teaching them. Just like when I teach from the, the teachings of the apostles, that is equal to you being taught by Jesus. Because it's all coming from Jesus. Does that make sense? So even though Jesus didn't physically go to Ephesus, they were still taught by Jesus because his messengers came among them proclaiming his word. That's what Paul is saying there. That's how they were taught of Jesus, even though they never saw him physically. First John 1, I want to read this last one here because this is important. This is a really important one. And young people, you got to get this one. You got to get this one. First John 1 and verse 1. Not the gospel of John, first John. First John 1. What was from the beginning... What we heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was manifested and we have seen. Remember, we talked about the personal touch of the writers. This is an example of it here. We have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which is with the father and was manifest to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim it. We preach it. We preach what we saw, what we heard. We preach what we saw and what was revealed to us so that you too may have fellowship with us. We preach this so you can be in fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we don't just proclaim, but we also write so that our joy may be made complete. So John says, we preach it. We preach what we saw, what we heard, but we didn't just preach it. We wrote it down. Why? So that people like us can have it. So that we also can be in fellowship with the apostles and with the Son and with, the, and with God the Father. You see how that works? The revelation of the Spirit is necessary for fellowship with the apostles and with those who make up the Godhead. And it's been once and all revealed. You know, you'll meet people today who say, God told me this. You ever met folks like that? God spoke to me. Young people, you're going to meet people like that. God told me this. 
I got a message from God. Jude 3 says that the faith, the source of faith, God's message has been once and for all revealed in the Bible. And the Bible's all you need. That's what, Pete, that's what Paul says. Paul says that everything we have in our Bible comes from God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or woman of God, young woman of God, may be perfect, mature. We're talking about maturity, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All you need is the Bible. You don't need to hear from God in some special way today. You don't need to hear from God in a dream, in a vision, from a donkey. You don't need him to speak directly from heaven, to open up the clouds and say, hey, what's going on there? Let me tell you something. All you need is your Bible. Your Bible is special because it's how God talks to you. And when you don't read it and study it, you're not letting God talk to you. So let's close with this. This is how we're going to close. And young people, I want you to help me with this one, okay? I want you to help me here. So we went through all of that. We're talking about how God talks to us. And, and the main thing that I want you to see from this is, is your Bible is special. If you're not doing your Bible reading right now, if you're like, oh, forget this Bible reading, this garbage, I don't like it. I don't want to read no Thessalonians. And you don't respect this. You don't respect God's communication. When you read Thessalonians and Corinthians, like we're doing this year, we're not just doing this to check it off on some little sheet. Oh, I read it. Let me fill out my little box here and get to the end of the year and take this little poll and tell everybody I read. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. It's about hearing from God. It's about letting God talk to me so I can know God and be right with God and serve God. That's what it's about. So you, that's why we got to take this serious. So let's, let's, let's end with this. The steps. The steps of inspiration when I say steps of inspiration, I mean, how, okay, how is the process going to us today? The Hebrew writer said God speaks to us through Jesus. Okay, how is he doing that? I need to know that. So where does it start? You should have filled the chart out in your book. Where does it start? Who's the first one in this process of communication? It should be pretty easy. God. God, it starts with God. When we say God, we're talking about the Father. God the Father. Okay. God has a will. I want to talk to men. I don't have to, but I love them. And I want them to be holy. And I want to have a relationship with them. So I'm going to talk to them. See, when you look at the sun and the moon and the stars in this beautiful part of the country, you see evidence for God, don't you? God speaks to us through nature. He gives us evidence for his existence. But are you going to learn about baptism, looking at nature? Is the sun going to say, get baptized? Is the moon going to tell you, repent? No, nature gives you exist, evidence for the existence of God, but it's not going to tell you what to do to be right with God. you got to have God talk to you through another means. So it starts with God, but where does it go next? After God, we got what? Who's next? Who would you say? Did you say it? You got God. What did the Hebrew writer say? Jesus is next. So the Father has a will for us. And the son knows it. The son has been with the father. He knows the father's will. He came into the world and preached it. But he told the apostles, I got to leave you. And you're going to forget because you're men. You're going to forget. So I got to send you somebody to remind you what I taught. 
and what the will of the Father is. Who's next? The Holy Spirit next. So the Father has the will, and Jesus knows it, and Jesus preached it. And Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to back here to remind my messengers of the things I want them to know. And the Holy Spirit revealed it to who? Who is it? Apostles. That's right. That's good, Abby. Apostles. Apostles and prophets, right? Because that's what Paul said in Ephesians 3 and 4 and 5. It was revealed to the apostles and the prophets. So the Holy Spirit comes and he reminds the apostles and the prophets of the will of God. He reveals these things to people like Paul and Peter and Luke and Matthew and Mark and John. They're hearing from the Holy Spirit who was sent by Jesus and Jesus was sent by the Father. But what's next? Because the apostles and prophets are dead. They're gone. Paul's not around anymore. So we're still left out of this. We don't live 2,000 years ago. How are we going to know what to do? Oh, we got to have some Bible. So they wrote it down. John says, we proclaim it, 1 John 1, but we just don't proclaim it. We write it down. And that's called scripture. God had them write it down, and God providentially worked to have it preserved. So you got it in that, in that book, that book you got. On your phone, paper form, whatever, your tablet, all that. That's, that's God's word that came from the apostles, from the Holy Spirit, from Christ to God, which means the last step in the process is that's me and you. Now, this is how God chose to do it. Someone says, I don't like it. I don't like how God did that. Well, get over it. Nobody cares. Because God is sovereign. And God can choose to talk to us however he wants to talk to us. God could, if he wanted to, come to all of us in a dream tonight and just talk to us, right? God, could, you could go home and see your little dog, and your dog would start going, oh, hey, let me tell you what God says. He could, do, could God do that if he wanted to? But God says, I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to go through my son. My son's going to send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to the apostles and prophets. It's going to be preserved in the Bible. It's going to be given to us. That's the process. Brother Gary, yes, sir. Brother Gary said he had that plan before we were even created. That's absolutely right. Because that is... That is the great knowledge and vast knowledge of God. So we may not like this, but this is it. So I want to close with this. Three things real quick. Your Bible is special. If you don't take anything else away from this, take away your Bible is special. Secondly, you got to read your Bible. It's not enough just to know this. We got to read our Bibles. When you read your Bible, always say to yourself, God is talking to me. God is talking to me right now. I need to listen. I need to listen to what God is saying to me. And then thirdly, don't just listen to it. Strive to properly understand it, but not just understand it, apply it. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the remainder of this quarter. We're done with the foundation. We got the foundation laid now. For the rest of the quarter, we're going to talk about how to apply it, how to rightly divide it, and make sure we're only doing that which is authorized in it. That makes sense? Thank y'all very much. I got to go out of town. We're going out. My family and I are going out of town this weekend. Going to be preaching on the West Coast. So keep us in your prayers. Brother Mitch will be teaching lesson six. So be ready for lesson six on Sunday, Lord willing. Thank y'all so much. I appreciate it.